0: I'm back. The LA Clippers went 4-2 and two in my time away. What ended up changing everything for them in that little three-game winning streak at home? And also, did we see the greatest performance by a Clippers center in the last 20 years on Sunday afternoon with a certain Evitia Shack. Going to be talking about it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers. Your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. yes sir this is locked on clippers you are locking in with the clips thank you for making locked on clippers the first listen of your day your team every day today's episode is brought to you by prize picks make your daily fantasy entries on prize picks yes sir i'm back after an amazing trip to qatar for the world cup it's your boy darian Vaziri. In my 18th season as a Clipper fan and back for the foreseeable future to give you your daily Clipper fix here on Locked On Clippers. And before we get started, make sure to subscribe to Locked On Clippers on the YouTube channel. It's the fastest way to grow the show. And make sure to comment on today's pin question. Was that performance by Yvitsya Zubots on Sunday afternoon, better than any performance that DeAndre Jordan or Chris Kamen put on for the Clippers. Those are the two Clippers centers that were all-stars since the turn of the century. So give me what you think. Was that performance better than any of the performances DeAndre Jordan and Chris Kamen had with their time on the Clippers? Hopefully you've been a fan that long. If not, well, just give Zeus some love and say yes. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pod, And of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more Clipper content and sports content. Let's get right into it. So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Obviously, I was gone for a bit, so I have so much to say. And because I am so dedicated to the Clippers and because I want to give the best output and podcast and information for you guys I actually watched every single game that I missed that's why it's taken me a little while since I got back on Thursday to actually record I actually wanted to record on Friday for you guys just get right back on the microphone but I figured there's no point of me just watching the most recent game and not knowing the tendencies and how certain guys have been playing because then I could say something like oh you know Reggie Jackson had a terrible game but he's actually been playing amazing lately and I'm going to talk about that and in, uh, in, at length in this in this podcast So I watched every game. The three games I missed, uh, the three-game homestand, I should say, the winning streak, Detroit, San Antonio, Utah. I also watched the game against Golden State. And then... I actually didn't get to watch the Denver game. I just watched the extended highlights for that one because League Pass has this thing where you can't watch a game, a local broadcast replay unless it's been three days since the completion of the game. So it hasn't been, so I couldn't. And then I watched the Indiana game. So five out of six will do. And so I'm going to start out with today's game, or I should I say Sunday's game since you're listening on Monday. Sunday's game against Indiana. And then I'm going to talk about how Kawhi Leonard looked and certain things that I noticed from that three-game winning streak. Some really good things. And then I'm going to end it off with the, all, the obvious elephant in the room, and that is, Jesus Christ, we cannot stay healthy. So let's start out with the performance today. I mean, oh my God. I have run out of superlatives for Ivica Zubats this season. And today, for those that call hit and pronounce his name, Ivica Zubak, he's known as Ivitsa Zushak today. Because holy... I, I, I'm, I'm trying hard not to curse at this point. Because like, oh my God. This guy... He's been the best player for the Clippers this season. That's I don't think that with Paul George being injured and his inconsistency, that's not really up for debate for me anymore. Ivica Zubac for his standard has not been has been the best player by a significant margin, but not only that, he carries more weight on this team than anyone because there's no replacement for him, which makes me I don't want to sound, you know, get pessimistic 5 minutes into the episode, but let's be real, Clipper Nation. If Ivica Zubac was even injured for 5 games, The front office would get exposed for the unbalanced roster that they put together. Because as solid as Moses Brown has looked in some minutes, we have zero replacement for this guy. Zero. And if he gets injured, we are totally screwed. I'd be surprised if we even won one game against anybody without Zu. I'm dead serious. We'd need Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both uh, to win games without him. Because what he does on either end of the floor and on the glass, no one on our team does. And when he's out of the game, we're literally in danger of, of falling apart. This game against Indiana, you know, Indiana has been probably the most surprising team in the NBA for me this season. I actually th- thought they were going to be the worst team in the entire Eastern Conference, and I've been proven dead wrong. They're 11-8 after this loss of the Clippers. But we all knew about Tyrese Halliburton, the third-year point guard out of Iowa State that was traded for Sabonis last year very controversially from Sacramento, and he's an obvious stud. But the other guys have really been great. Like, Miles Turner's having the best season of his career scoring the ball. He had a cold game against the Clippers, which was great. Only shot three for nine and one for six from deep. And he got a bunch of looks that he usually makes. Only finished with nine points. So, that was really good. And zero blocks. And only played 20 minutes. So, the Clippers took him out of the game nicely. But Jabari Smith's been very impressive. He played on Phoenix for a stretch last season. And in this game, was hitting his threes. And I heard he was shooting 25% from three heading into this matchup. But... He shot, yeah, he's shooting 25 yeah, Brian Siemens said he was shooting 25% from three heading into this game, and he was. He made his first three three-pointers in the game, but then the law of averages somewhat got him back to not even normal. He finished three for seven from three, but at least it dropped a little bit. And Buddy healed. I think the Clippers did an amazing job taking care of him and re- preventing his open looks from three and... You know, getting a good hand up and chasing him off screens. He was three for 14 from the field and one of nine from three. So defensively, the Clippers took care of business. And I think, as as surprising as the Indiana Pacers have been this season, like when I watched them play on Sunday, I was like, this This is what I expected. Like they're supposed to be not that good. They're supposed to struggle to create shots without Tyrese Halliburton creating shots. They're not supposed to be that great. The Clippers should be able to wipe them off the floor. And even without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they did. And a big reason for that. If it's a Zubats from the beginning, you know, in the first quarter, 14 points and nine rebounds just off the top and five offensive rebounds for him. He was everywhere putting shots back up and in. Tipping in, he was playing his typical great defense and drop coverage, doing a good job of showing on the ball handler, but also recovering to the roller, contesting floaters, contesting layups, blocking shots, doing everything, securing rebounds. And what I really loved about this game from Zoo is we even gave him the ball in the post a couple times, and he got to show off that skill, the jump hook, you know, the little shimmy around the low block just finishing strong, dunking the ball. His confidence is growing with each and every game, and he just didn't take his foot off the gas. This man put up a Wilt Chamberlain stat line in this game. Wilt Chamberlain, 31 points, 31, 29 rebounds, an obvious career high, 12 of those offensive rebounds, 12 guys. 14 for 17 from the field in 36 minutes. This guy, I have run, three blocks as well. I have run out of words for him at this point. It is just unbelievable. And they haven't updated his season stats yet on ESPN. It still says that he's played 20 games. But oh man, he's going to go back to averaging that double-double. Because right now he's averaging 9.5 points a game and 11 rebounds if you round up. That's going to be definitely 10-10 and after the stats Process from this one. But the Clippers, I thought again, you know, this season they've shown that they can be one of the best defensive teams in the league. And what's funny is, I really don't feel like the Clippers have been that spectacular on defense. I really don't. Because I think that at times, especially in the beginning of the season, the Clippers went with some of these small ball lineups that zoo has actually bailed the Clippers out in a ton in terms of how good he's been when he's been on the floor to overcompensate for the incompetence of how the small ball lineups have looked. I think that Paul George, Zubots, even Marcus Morris, I, thought, I think he's been exceptional defensively this year, which, you know, I, I was critical of him before the season started, but he's really held his own on defense, moved well laterally and everything, and again, he did that same thing in the Sunday game, Marcus Morris. Just really solid, really good on defense. He shot 5 for 14, but you really wouldn't have been able to tell if you watched the game. He just feels like he makes shots, makes tough shots, and just continues to put the ball in the basket for the Clippers. And he's probably been the most consistent player outside of Zubots this season for us. He's been awesome. Just a total shot maker, an amazing player in terms of starting out games. 13 points in this game for him. Four rebounds, three assists, two steals, five for fourteen. May not be the best shooting percentage, but he's just been great. But if it's a Zubots throughout the game, just been was just unbelievable in every sense. You know, the Clippers started out 0 for 6 from 3. But and missed like three layups in the beginning. They were actually down twenty-seven to nineteen, but they ended the quarter on a sixteen to eight sixteen to two run. And that was led by Norman Powell, John Wall coming off the bench, who were just awesome. Yet again, especially Norman Powell, who ever since I left for my trip has just been unbelievable. And Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey, they give this team so much. And they started in this game. They started in the game against Denver as well. They started in the game against Golden State as well. So all the games that Kawhi and Paul George haven't started recently that they've been out, those last three games, they have started and they give the Clippers such a different look because not only are they great defensively and Amir Coffey has really impressed me with his on-ball of late. Terrence, man, you know what he brings. I've been raving about him since before the season. And, you know, I, 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 I'm actually, you know what, I'm going to save it for the next segment because I've been talking about Who the odd man out could be because the Clippers have so many good players. You know, in the beginning, before the season, I said, Marcus Morris seems like the odd man out. It seems like his presence on the team is redundant. Then I said, maybe it's Norman Powell after the first couple games. Then I said, it looks like it's Reggie Jackson. Now it's looking like Robert Covington. And and for a second, in the beginning of the season, Terrence Mann was the one not playing. So everybody has kind of had their turn a lot. I wouldn't say everybody, but a lot of these bench players have had their turn. Who's the odd man out? Whose presence feels redundant? But coming up, I'm going to talk about who I think that is and why I've been proven right about something I said very, very early on in the season. Going to be talking about all that. So much to get to, guys. Coming up. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. It's not a rental car. It's a car-sharing marketplace. Brows a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. You ever driven a Tesla before? Well, you can maybe try to drive one with Turo. They're smooth drives, as smooth as it gets. They stop on a dime, kind of like John Wall on the brake. Actually, you know what? John Wall doesn't really stop on a dime. He goes all the way. But <laughs> book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. You can get a classical luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. You can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from one place to one place. Test drive that new electric vehicle like a Tesla while you, that you've had your eye on. To see how it fits in your everyday life, maybe you want to buy it. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. That's Turo.com. Thanks for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter, the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts, where you're listening to Locked On Clippers, you are locked in. Your favorite podcast is back and back at after a win, which is great. But let's get right into what I was going to say. So the whole odd man out conversation, you know, everyone has had their say on the Clippers have so much depth. Who plays? Who doesn't? Before the season started, I said it was Marcus Morris that seemed like it was, he was the redundant presence. Just another guy that can score, that's taking the ball away from Kawhi and Paul George's hands. He doesn't really do much when he's not hitting shots. His defense looked really suspect last year. He didn't really rebound. Well, let's just talk about the defense and the rebounding. He's checked those boxes off right away. He looks quicker. And it's not just on defense he looks quicker. On offense, the way he's ripping through and guys are running him off the line and he's able to actually get two feet in the paint. He wasn't really a guy that got two feet in the paint in the past. And he's really, when guys running him off the line, pump faking and stepping right in, getting within eight to ten feet and getting into that little turnaround or just shooting over smaller guys – the way he's been able to actually kind of get to the rim a little more this season has been a sight to see and just awesomely refreshing for Clipper fans. He's been amazing. So he absolutely is not the odd man out. He's an essential player for the Clippers right now. And, you know, I made that... When I said that, of course, it aged poorly, and I'll take my L for it. Everybody can be wrong, and I'm wrong all the time. But what I was predicting was that Kawhi Leonard was actually going to be playing. And I'm going to save the whole Kawhi Paul George stuff for the last segment, but... I thought Kawhi was going to be playing, so I figured that Marcus Morris Sr.'s presence on the team would be a bit redundant. I said Luke Kennard, in terms of what Ty Lue's going to decide, was going to be the odd man out heading into the season. But very quickly, we saw that was Terrence Mann. And it, for a second, I started to think, you know what? Terrence Mann's not a good enough offensive player. He, he probably, he may not be able to get into this team. Wrong, wrong. I should have just never wavered on my stance. Because remember, if you remember, if you've been listening to this podcast from before the season started, I said that Terrence Mann's going to have a much bigger role than people think because the Clippers lack good point of attack defenders because Nico Batum and Robert Covington are on the slower, older side. You know, they're still good defenders, but mostly rotators and, you know, help defenders, not as much on ball. And Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to be doing a lot offensively, so you're not going to have them guarding, like, for example, in this Indiana game, the Tyrese Halliburton to the world, or in this Golden State game, Stephen Curry. You're not going to be wanting those guys to guard those players. But Terrence Mann is an energizer bunny who's got, you know, energy for days. He's a good point of attack defender. He's strong. He moves his feet. And you know who else is putting himself in this conversation that he can't sit on the bench? The brewmaster, Amir Coffey. And right now, I would put Amir Coffey in the rotation pecking order over Robert Covington. Absolutely. Because as good as Robert Covington is, I think that... And he's been kind of pushed to the side. Right now, he's the odd man out. So for those wondering who the odd man out is right now, it is Robert Covington. Um, Because he hasn't really shown that he's been hitting the three with consistency this season. I think he's taken some bad shots. And on defense, he had looked a little bit of a step slow. Amir Coffey, on the other hand, not only is he a solid three-point shooter, while maybe not as good as Robert Covington... He really, really, and I mean really, is a great finisher and through contact. And you saw that in these couple of games. And not only that, he pushes the pace for the Clippers. When Zubats gets a rebound or Zubats blocks a shot, now when Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey are on the court, it's not just John Wall that's pushing the pace. It's those two as well. Athletic wing players getting up and down, running the wings, running the floor, and finishing, getting to the foul line. You know, the Clippers have really been a, a slow drag offensively to watch at times this season. But when they get out and transition and push the pace, and that's part of why John Wall's been so good for the Clippers, you have other guys now that can do that and want to play a little bit of that fast pace that mixes it up a little bit you don't want to always play against set defenses and half-court offense you don't and Ter- terrence Mann and amir coffee they do an exceptional job of pushing the pace and one thing i love about terrence Mann, i've been i've been raving about this if you've been listening to me on dime dropper for my podcast years going back to two three years now he's the best off-ball cutter on our team you watch the, the clipper games Pick and rolls happen, the four-on-three reads happen, whatever, Zoo gets the ball in the middle of the floor. Instead of everybody just standing on the three-point line, Terrence Mann does a really good job of cutting to the basket and making that pass for whether it's Evita Zubac, John Wall, Paul George, making that pass easier. Instead of having to throw it all the way to the far side corner or something like that, using a lot of energy or using a lot of strength to make that pass, he is making that pass easier by going right into their line of vision, cutting to the basket, and he finishes strong. Terrence Mann has surpassed Nigo Batum, in my opinion, as the best off-ball mover on our team in terms of spontaneous movement. He was absolutely phenomenal in this Indiana game, and he's shooting a lights-out percentage this season. He had 14 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists against the Pacers. He made all four of his free throws. Yes, he was 0-3 from deep, but I like how he didn't hesitate at all on those threes. He was 5-13 for 13 from the field, and my favorite stat of them all... 38 minutes played. 14 points for Terrence. I think he's had a really great season so far. I think it's been under-talked about how well he's played. But the man is shooting 60% from the field. He's only shooting 33% from three, but he's shooting only two attempts a game. So it's not actually hurting the team at all. He's averaging eight points, which is a little bit less than last season because he is shooting three less shots. But I think his stats are only going to increase as the season progresses because there were a couple games where he only got like five minutes in the game. So that's going to obviously tank your stats. Terrence Mann is a necessity. He's not a a person you can kind of just, oh, based on the matchup. He's a necessity because you cannot get enough athletic wings that guard. I can't emphasize that enough. You cannot get enough athletic wings that guard. And Amir Coffey and Terrence Mann are exactly that. As for Amir Coffey, who was awesome in the Utah Jazz game that the Clippers won a couple nights back, also great in this one. Eight points for him, five rebounds, three for eight from the field, but just really good defensively, finishing in transition, getting to the cup, no pun intended, even though Brian Seaman has so many puns with Amir Coffey, he's having fun with him in the lineup. It's just been unbelievable. So Amir Coffey and Terrence Mann, keep playing them. Here comes the issue. Amir Coffey's only playing significant minutes right now because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are out. And yes, he did play in the game that Paul George missed against the Jazz Well, when Kawhi Leonard did play. And Robert Covington is kind of getting pushed to the side. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay if Robert Covington is out of the rotation at this point. As much as I like the guy, he's insanely likable. He gives us good size. He's good in the small ball lineup. But right now, Moses Brown, you know, he played a little bit against Golden State and it didn't turn out too well. But he actually played a little bit in this Pacers game. He played 11 minutes and had 10 points. And I honestly think... And he got to the line 12 times. His free throws look awful, by the way, I will say, even though he made eight of them. But I think that Moses Brown is somebody that needs to be utilized for the Clippers here and there. I think that going to small ball just as a... Knowing you're going to go to small ball before the game even starts is a flawed strategy. I think it's better situationally. I think Moses Brown, unless he's... I think you should play him until he starts getting played off the floor. If he starts playing badly, then okay, go to small ball. But I think that you do... Gain something from Moses being there. A big man in, in the middle on defense to just deter shots and drop coverage. If, if the other team doesn't have insanely skilled ball handlers running pick and rolls, then you can contest their floaters and contest their shots. And Moses Brown's presence makes a difference there. And then offensively, you know, you not only have an offensive rebounding threat, but somebody you can dump the ball to on pick and rolls. It prevents teams from switching everything with that pick and roll with John Wall. Because if John Wall and Robert Covington are setting pick and rolls, then whoever's guarding Rocco is going to switch on to John Wall. and Now John's going to have to play one-on-one. Whereas with Moses Brown, you're not going to switch whoever's guarding John Wall into Moses Brown because you're going to be afraid of the offensive rebounding threat. So I think Robert Covington, moral of the story here, guys, is right now don't expect him to play much. And I don't think you should be that concerned about it either because Amir Coffee's that good. Now, here's the concern. These adjustments are being made because guys are constantly out. It's impossible to think about what your rotation is going to be in the playoffs or down the line, what you want it to be when everyone's constantly injured. And coming up, I'm going to talk about the biggest elephant in the room. What the hell is going on? And can the Clippers actually win a championship like this with our best players being hurt? 24 7. Going to be talking about all that and closing it out coming up. On Tuesday, I am taking Donovan Mitchell to score over 30 points, Anthony Davis to have over four blocks, and I'm also taking Trey Young to have over 10 assists. And where am I doing that? I am doing that on Prize Picks. It's a daily fantasy app, not a sports gambling app where you make entries, not bets based on the player projections how does it work you just pick two to six players and predict that they will score more or less than the prize picks projection you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry you're not competing against anyone else it's just against the projections available PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch. That can be NBA, NFL, MLB, the World Cup is on. Make your bets. I'm sorry, place your entries. I'm sorry. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Just download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive an 100% instant deposit, deposit matchup to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you hundred dollars if you deposit fifty dollars prize picks will give you fifty dollars don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit matchup instant deposit matchup to hundred dollars that's locked on all right let's talk guys the elephant in the room and by the way before i get into that elephant in the room i want to give a shout out to reggie jackson and norman powell The reason why the Clippers won those three games at home against Detroit, San Antonio, and Utah was mainly because of them. They have totally turned it around, especially Norman Powell. You know, a guy that I was saying, maybe his presence on the team in the beginning feels redundant. Again, it's a reminder to keep the faith, guys. Don't be so knee-jerk at times about individual players' performances. Good players, good NBA players will return to form. And you know what it actually was? I I think it was just putting him back on the bench. I think his role is more suited to be on the bench. And Norman Powell also had a quote recently where he said... I'm putting individual goals aside for the team. And I talked about how, in the beginning of the season, when I heard him on Media Day say, I want to be an all star, I was like, I don't want that to, I don't want him to try to press too much and kind of take away from the team. And that's what was happening. He was getting too much into the individual. He wanted to try to score a lot of points as he started and he wanted to secure that starting spot. And it turns out he's much better off the bench. And the way he's been attacking the basket's been amazing, finishing with either hand. But the shot, the jump shot, whether mid range or three, He's shooting with so much confidence now, and it's been an absolute joy to watch. So Norman Powell, I feel like, is right back into that kind of sixth man of the year kind of conversation, and hopefully he continues on that trajectory. In the last 10 games, Norman Powell is averaging... 17 points a game on 50% shooting from the field and 46 and a half from three as well as 83% from the foul line. That is unbelievable shooting split. Those are unbelievable shooting splits for your sixth man. Norman Powell's been phenomenal. And then John Wall, the one thing I'll say about John is he needs to relax with the threes. I only think John should shoot threes when they're wide, wide open off good ball movement. But his rim pressure has been amazing. He had that game where he had 15 assists. I believe that was against San Antonio. And he's been really good. I just think he's got to take better care of the ball. Sometimes he goes too fast for his own good and commits reckless turnovers. But in this game against Indiana, 10 points, 8 assists off the bench, 3 for 6 from the field in 22 minutes. Just really, really good. Norman Powell, 19 points, 5 rebounds on 7 for 19 shooting and 2 for 8 from 3. Just overall really solid. And the Clippers win 114 to 100 against Indiana to move on to 12 and 9. All right, let's really get into it, guys. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You know, I watched Kawhi Leonard in those three games and I was so happy to see him back on the court. So happy. You know, he didn't shoot very efficiently, but with each game, you could see him slowly start to get more comfortable. And the main thing I'm seeing with Kawhi Leonard right now, I actually think he looks pretty good. The only thing I th- I see is that he's struggling to get his legs back underneath him. Like all his three-pointers are short. I mean, obviously, if you know Kawhi Leonard, you know that of the time that he misses, the shot is short, but they've looked especially short. And it's looked like he's really kind of forcing that jolt from his legs when when he's shooting three so far this season. But it's a matter of getting his legs underneath him. Like certain guys like Michael Jordan, and please don't twist my words. I'm not saying he's Kobe or Michael Jordan. But certain guys like MJ and Kobe, and you can even say a little bit of Brandon Ingram at times, I feel like the way that their body is and the way that they shoot the ball is like set up for them to be mid-range snipers, and they have to put a little bit more into their shot to shoot threes. I know you can say that for everybody, but there are certain guys in today's NBA that look really, really visibly uncomfortable shooting mid-ranges and very comfortable shooting threes. They are the opposite. Kawhi, Jordan, and Kobe were, are just mid-range guys, cashers. And then from three, you kind of see them force a little bit more. As far as Kobe, I had to put a little more arms into his shot. And obviously more legs naturally. But Kawhi looking like he needs to get more legs into a shot. And the problem is you can't continue to get your legs underneath you when you're missing games. And and when he was on that minutes restriction, I was getting really frustrated because it was like he looks like he can play a little more. And he's only shooting like eight shots a game. So he's not going to get back into rhythm only shooting eight shots a game. Unless his minutes restriction is lifted and he can slowly get back to what he's going to try to play if the Clippers are going to try to win a championship. And the chances of Clippers winning a championship are entirely dependent on Kawhi Leonard's health. Like this this Moses Brown, Amir Coffey, Terrence Man, Norman Powell, Reggie Jackson playing well stuff is great. And Reggie Jackson's been awesome lately, by the way. Like just I don't need John Wall to start if Reggie Jackson continue to play like that not shot hunting so much, being more catch and shoot, just letting the game come to him because I notice his defense changes too when he when he starts making shots. But you can't get back in a rhythm when you're constantly missing games. And it's funny because I didn't even notice the ankle sprain against Utah. I didn't notice it at all. And what's, what's amazing is Kawhi Leonard still has been, you know, inefficient and not 100% really. And he's getting double teamed loaded up on as if he's fully healthy when he's playing. That's the funniest part. And he creates... A lot of good shots. Like, I, I think Kawhi has done a really good job of still creating good looks. And when he was out there with Paul George in the San Antonio game before Paul got hurt, you saw that now we can run Kawhi Leonard, Zubats pick and rolls. And when they blitz Kawhi, you have Ivica Zubats making four-on-three reads with Paul George spotting up off the ball. I mean, imagine Paul George getting open threes. That will now get him in rhythm to get his easier shots one-on-one. And now he's seen the ball go in because we know the one big thing with Paul George is that for a superstar talent, he's inconsistent because he's such a rhythm player. When he sees a couple shots miss, sometimes he can settle and just continue to brick. But when he sees one three go in, it changes everything for him. He's that kind of confidence guy. And I think Kawhi can help him get open looks. It's just so sad that this guy got injured again. Now, an ankle sprain shouldn't be that big a deal. It shouldn't be. They haven't announced if he's going to join the Clippers on the upcoming road trip. And mind you, Clipper Nation, six of the next seven games for the Clippers are on the road. And that kind of concerns me a bit. It kind of does. But they just got to, you know, next man up, right? I hope we have Kawhi for those, for those games. The Paul George injury really hurts because... I didn't even know. Again, he was playing amazing against San Antonio. Amazing. He had 18 points in the first quarter. And then it's, they said he had knee soreness. And now he's been out for three consecutive games, two of which the Clippers have lost. And now it's going to be tough. You know, Portland on the road coming up. They've been playing good basketball. Hopefully Damian Lillard, for the Clippers' sake, doesn't play. But we'll see how it goes. The, the, the true question is, can the Clippers win a championship like this? No. The answer is no. However... It's still only 21 games of the season. We haven't even gotten 30 games in. Thankfully for the Clippers, the teams in the West are all over the place right now. My concern right now is not the teams in the West. It's even if the Clippers get a top three seed because the West has been so topsy-turvy, are they going to have found the chemistry with Kawhi Leonard? Because right now it looks like Kawhi Leonard's only going to play 40-something games. Like, I'm really being serious. Right now it looks like Kawhi will only play 40-something games. And if he does, can the Clippers win a championship like that? Well, they have developed the correct amount of chemistry to beat a team like Boston, who's been playing with each other, the same guys for multiple years now, where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are playing every single night? Or a Milwaukee? I don't think so. I'm, I'm being really honest, guys. I don't think so. However, if the Clippers are in the championship, that means they will have peaked. So we'll see. However, they're not going to get to that level if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George do not play. And Paul George, I'm not too concerned about because he has played, you know, this season a good amount and everything. But Kawhi, I'm very concerned. I'd be lying to say if I wasn't. And here's the thing, Clipper Nation, we have to have an honest conversation. If Kawhi Leonard can't stay healthy enough for the Clippers to ever gain rhythm this season and the Clippers get bounced out in like the second or first round, we need to have real conversations about this roster going forward, and especially Kawhi. I'm not going to talk about the trade, if the Clippers shouldn't have made the trade or not, because Shea Gilgis-Alexander is playing out of his mind right now. I never will regret it. The Clippers should have made that move 10 times out of 10. And they did get to their first ever conference finals, which I don't think they would have gotten to with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Because remember, it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George who they traded for. Kawhi Leonard was only going to come with the assurance of another star. Whether you think that was right or not, that you can comment on. But Paul George right now has missed five games. Not the end of the world. He's still having a really good season, albeit he's had some tough games, but hopefully he doesn't miss too many more. Kawhi Leonard has only played five games. He's already missed 16 games. That's no good. So even if he played every single game from this point forward, he would play 66 games and he's not going to. So hopefully for hopefully, he still plays 50 or more. I think that's what we have to cross our fingers for as Clipper fans. But hey, everybody, it's so good to be back. It's so great to be talking to you again. And... Remember to comment on today's pinned question. Was that the best performance you've seen from a Clipper center in this century? DeAndre Jordan, Chris Kaman would be the other candidates. Let me know. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Remember to keep giving the Locked On Clippers a five-star review on Apple Podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast, And, of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper. More Clipper content. I'm doing World Cup content right now, but it'll be Clippers soon enough. And if you're into that, please just shoot me a subscription. It really, it really means a lot. But thank you so much. It's good to be back. And guess what? Five days a week. We're we'll back tomorrow. Good evening, Clipper Nation. Going to be talking about any... I mean, I was gone for so long. I could talk about a ton of things. How about John Wall next, next episode? Going to be talking about that on the next Locked On Clippers. But thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day. And of course, for your second listen, make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. The age-old proverb. Go Clippers.